Welcome back to In the Know. I'm your host, Natalie Rademacher. And I'm Jessica Toledo. It's a big week this week. The Super Bowl happened. Did you watch it? I did not. No. Did you? I did, yeah. Ooh, how was it? I don't, I actually, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. I was watching it, but it's not like I understand football. So like when everyone else like cheered, I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, okay, back to Twitter. Is this the one football game a year you watch? And whenever the U plays Wisconsin. Okay, cool. That's, that's important. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. So Jess, what's on the docket for today? Uh, this week, I got to sit down with Abby Machig to talk about a grant that a university faculty member received for a program that's going to provide a lot of opportunities for underprivileged like high school students. And then I also got to talk to Caitlin Anderson about some new apartments popping up near campus. My name is Abby Machig. I'm an intern on the campus administration desk. And I'm a freshman. Thanks so much for being with us today, Abby. Uh, the U recently received a grant that you wrote about. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the program? Yeah, so the official title for the program is Building Bridges to Design and STEAM Careers for Underprivileged Youth in Minnesota. Um, and the program like specifically targets underprivileged and under- underrepresented youth. Um, and North Minneapolis is a school zone that has like low graduation rates and things like that. And this program gives these youth opportunities to explore different careers, specifically in design, architecture, interior design, math, geometry, careers like that. Um, and the goal is to give these hands-on experiences and hope that these youth then have an uh, interest in this career field in the future. So what is this grant? Um, so the grant is from the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, that's a federal agency um, that provides opportunities for like arts participation all around the U.S. Um, and it's based in Washington, D.C. It's quite like competitive from my understanding. Um, the grant that went towards this program is only one of two awarded to the university this year. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a nice grant to have. So you said earlier that the program is meant to target underprivileged and underrepresented youth. Uh, how is the program going to do that? The main goal is really just to create a relationship between students and between these faculty members and the careers themselves, like design and architecture. Um, and it really shows the diverse capabilities that you can go towards with um, a career like this. Um, and really it just like creates interest and confidence in learning in general, not even just math and design and geometry um, that might not have been there before for these students. It's really an incredibly unique program and collaboration for the U to be doing. It sounds like this program is going to open up a, like a lot of doors for students. Thanks so much for coming in and like taking the time to talk. Our next story comes from Caitlin Anderson about housing in Marcy Holmes. Uh, I'm Caitlin and I cover housing and business for The Daily. She is our housing and business expert. She also covers housing and business for the Star Tribune. Caitlin's here to talk about some new apartments being built near campus. New micro units are coming to Marcy Homes. Um, the construction on them have been um, going on for a couple months now um, by North Bay companies. So I should probably know what this is, but what are micro units? Micro units are really just small apartments. These units are less than half what normal um, apartments are for Minneapolis. So North Bay really wanted um, to have this more student focused. It's going to be right on 4th Street Southeast. So Caitlin recently talked with a former U student who lives in a micro unit apartment near campus about why he likes his tiny home. Um. Mm-hmm. The size, the size is perfect 
honestly. I, I wouldn't want to have to maintain anything any bigger, and it's not, like, so small that I feel cramped. That's Nicholas Licht. He lives in the Cozy Flats, a micro-unit apartment near campus. What was kind of the, like, um, driving factor that made you kind of want to live in an apartment like that? Price range. Um, I live really, really, really crappy house uh, my last two years of college. <laughs> I wanted an upgrade. I was tired of living in built. wanted to get something nicer. These apartments sound really nice. Can you talk about what the micro-units being built will be like? Um, it would have a bathroom and a kitchenette in every unit um, and then a bed that could convert into a couch. Then there'd also be the common areas on the outside which would actually have like a full kitchen, a lounge, and laundry space. Fancy. So it's really a community space. Sounds really similar to like a dorm type of situation. So what's the timeline looking like for these new apartments? When can we move in? Hey Jess, want to be roommates? I already did my time in the dorm. I kind of think I'm over it. Trademark building, which is the one that has been under construction for a few months now, are looking to uh, open for the academic year of 2020. Thanks for taking the time to come talk with us today. And here's the rest of the U's news. Earlier this week, the university suspended all student travel and study abroad programs in China. This comes amidst the coronavirus outbreak, a rapidly spreading virus which has affected over 28,000 people in China at the time of this recording, according to the New York Times. Some students who were supposed to study abroad in China are now finding other places to study abroad or are waiting to study abroad another semester. So it's been about two years since a policy went into effect that bans hard alcohol at most frats on campus. The ban was put in place by the Interfraternity Council, which oversees most frats at the U. New Daily reporter Parker Toyne looked into how the policy has been enforced. He found that while the ban may be good at keeping hard alcohol out of frat events, keeping frat members from drinking hard alcohol themselves has been more difficult. He found that this is because frats are in charge of enforcing the ban themselves. Some say that chapter presidents and interfraternity council members are still looking for better ways to enforce the ban. That's it for today, y'all. Tune in next week for more of the used news. This episode of In the Know was produced by me, Natalie Rademacher, reported by Jessica Toledo, intro music by J.D. Duggan.